So we've been in, in a series, started a series on what's next after the resurrection. It's important that we, uh, it wasn't like Jesus came and spent 33 years on the earth and then they said, well, you're on your own. It wasn't like that. Uh, he said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. And I go to uh, uh, make intercession for you, to pray on your behalf for you. And uh, he also said, greater things than these, the things that he did, shall you do. I don't know if y'all got a hold of that or not, but Jesus said, greater things shall you do than what he was doing. And, and y'all are looking at me kind of funny out there. Like, you're like, oh, wow. You no, know, he really did say that. And the reason that he said that is because he said he would be with you and he would send the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to give you wisdom, the Holy Spirit to make good choices and good decisions, but also to speak on behalf of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit would be with you, that Jesus would be praying for you, to the Father and making intercession for you. Anything and everything you need, he is here for you. And because of that, we can do greater things because he's with us. It's not really about what we're doing, but it's what God's doing through us. And so I think a lot of times, if we're not careful, we live a little bit maybe below what God has for us. Y'all think that might be true? I, I, I just wanted to, to spur, spur y'all on to use the cowboy term, which sometimes you need to just a little spurring on. Oh. I don't know if you ever profile believers or not, like profile. Mm, I think he's a Christian. Have you ever, profiling is like, it's a word in our culture today, like, oh, don't profile. Uh, but it's kind of interesting because I think we do it all the time, but we just don't want to admit it. Uh, one of the things I think is interesting about being a cowboy is that I can always tell the real cowboys, you know, if, if they're really a cowboy. Uh, and, uh, or if they just, you know, got a hat, which is fine. But uh, just because you have a hat, a pair of boots doesn't make you a cowboy, right? And so uh, it's the same way with being a Christian. We can look at people and, and think, well, that's a Christian. And then you're like, oop, nope, not that one. But maybe they're going through some hard times and maybe they are. But it's just important. I think that's the reason he said we're not supposed to judge people because uh, we don't know we don't know. We just don't know. That's the reason we don't judge it, because we really don't know. But there are some characteristics about Christians that I want to talk about this morning. People who decide to follow Jesus, the disciples, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it changed, literally changed their life. These people who were pretty much kind of like cowards, the, the disciples, they were just like, they, when Jesus was hung on the cross, they was, a lot of them was nowhere to be found. And then when the, they had the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came, there was a boldness that came on them. And, and even Peter, the one that denied Jesus, he, he got up and preached and 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord. Something changed. And I don't know if there's anybody here today that you'd like something to change inside of you. Or if you're just good with it, if you're good with that, that's fine, but you're probably in the wrong church. Because <laughs> we hope you don't leave the same way you came. 
Not that you was bad when you came, but you can always get better. So that's why we have church. It's not for perfect people, but it's for people who seeking after a perfect God. There are characteristics of Christians. I think, uh, to me, it's common sense to follow Jesus. It's just common sense. But honestly, common sense isn't really that common <laughs> anymore. It's kind of like, common sense is kind of like deodorant. The ones that really need it don't have it. <laughs> I think my tolerance in this day and age, I think my tolerance for ignorance uh, is pretty low these days. Uh, I used to have um, some immunity built up, like toward ignorance, but obviously I think there's a new strain out. By the time you think that ignorance has about gone as far as it can, it gets more ignorant. <laughs> so I think it's important that we know what it really looks like to follow Jesus. Because everybody and their dog's got an idea or an opinion about it. That's right, by the, weird, by the way, that's the reason we have so many religions in the world today is because man got in on the deal and kind of messed it up. Man got in on it and changed it. Let me tell you something. God, make no mistake, God never changes. Amen. He never changes his mind. He's like, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The truth will always be the truth, no matter who believes it. No matter what religion you start, God is always going to be the same. That's the reason we are not here to make religious people out of you. We are here to be Christ followers. We're not here to build a religion. We're here to build a relationship with the one who loves us and gave his life for us. So what does it look like to truly believe in Jesus and, and to believe in his return and believe that he's going to reward those who follow him uh, First point of my message this morning, because we talked about believers and, and the, what's next after the resurrection. And last week we talked about believers and what believers do. Do you remember what believers do? They believe. Believers believe. And, and we're like, oh, well, that's the end of that sermon. Let's go eat. No, <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> believers believe. It's important that we understand that those who truly believe Jesus and believe that he will return, and those who believe Jesus, by the way, will also obey his commands. So it's interesting. Uh, God created Adam, and you remember the story. And soon after that, uh, God notices that Adam's lonely. And God says, don't fear Adam. He says, I'll create a partner to accompany you and... Uh, from this time forth, I will call her woman. God continues, she'll be obedient. <laughs> I'm trying to say this with a straight face. 
She'll be obedient, loyal, passionate, and nurturing. Adam says, but Lord, what will that cost me? God says, an arm and a leg. <laughs> he said, uh, well, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 wait. <laughs> so if, if, that, if, that, if that upsets some of you ladies, uh, it's your opportunity to practice forgiveness. <laughs> Is there anybody here that tries to negotiate, though, with God? You know, try to like, well, so it wasn't the 10 suggestions, right? We in our culture today, we're not really that excited about obeying Commandments, because it's, it's kind of like we live in the t-ball world where everybody gets a trophy, and you, and you, you, can't, you can't offend anybody, and it's like, a commandment? My, how dare you make it a commandment? It's almost, like, it's almost like our culture today is almost magnetized against the truth of God and the truth of his word, and if we say we, it, you have to obey his commands, we're like, different I do believe this that the reason that churches aren't jam-packed every Sunday is because that there's a challenge of obedience to God's plan and many trying to negotiate here it is in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 it says and being assembled together with him he, meaning Jesus, this was right, this was after the resurrection when Jesus was resurrected and he was speaking to his followers. He commanded them, everybody say he commanded them. Amen. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say to wait. For the promise of the Father, to wait. There was a purpose for waiting, waiting for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. This is me. I am going to promise you that the Father will bring the Holy Spirit to you. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were just being obedient to what Jesus asked them to do. Not all the time do we really understand what the future holds, but we always know who holds the future, and that has to be enough for people who call those themselves people of faith in Jesus because we don't always get it. We don't always understand So his parents, the, the command, you know, it's interesting. Uh, as parents, we're, we're in charge, supposedly. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the plan. You know, we're, we're the ones that are supposed to be in charge. However, some of our kids, um, they think when we ask them to do something or we tell them to do something, that they, uh, it's like an option. For them to be obeyed. I've got a little grand, uh, three-year-old grandson. His name's Jack, and he's just as cute as he can be. He's got a lot of real good breeding in him. <laughs> he's beautiful. He's a good boy. Well, in the cowboy world, you say it's a pretty poor sire that don't produce better than he is. 
So Jack, he's he's uh he's uh he's three. And he's he's I mean he's always got a plan. And we were down there at the arena and Darla and I watched watch our grandkids uh during the arena Bible study. That's kind of our time with them and so we came to it the other day and, and when it was over uh Jack was on one side of the fence, the arena fence, and I was on the other side of the fence, and the playground's right over here. He says, Pops, I want to go play in the playground. He calls me Pops. So I said, well, Jack, because we haven't got the fence put up yet for the playground, so, I mean, the traffic goes back and forth, and you don't want a three-year-old running over there because you don't. I mean, they are three. So I said, Jack, just stay right there and let me come around. And Jack's like, no, Pops, I want to go to the playground. I said, Jack, you stay right there, and I'm going to come around, then I'll take you to the playground. You know what he said? He said, I don't understand. (laughs) Here's the point. He did understand, but he wasn't hearing what he wanted to hear. He did understand. A lot of times, we're like, when God tells us to do something, we're like, could I get another opinion? I know, you're wishing all those other people were here this morning. (laughs) But if we're not careful, we'll we'll, uh, want to negotiate with God. So what is it about, (laughs) what is it like, if we have um, a young person, sometimes they may have trouble respecting authority, might have trouble being on time and having uh, uh, character. So what, what do we generally say? We say, man, you just need to join the military, right? A lot of times we say that. Why is that? Because in the military, it's not an option. We don't, we don't have the option of going, well, let me think about that. How's that going to go over? All you military people, not very good, right? But we say you need to join the military because what it does, it, it places discipline in them. Let me just challenge all the parents and all the grandparents here. If we, if we don't teach our children and our grandchildren to be obedient to the authority in their lives, they will grow up disrespecting authority with God. You, now, you may not like to hear this, but you are God's representative to your children. You are God's, I'm going to say it, I'm not, I'm not playing. You are God's representative to your children. And... Uh, so we have to be humble, but we also have to be, have wisdom and not be the Gestapo person that always just says no to everything, but also have wisdom to know how to love our kids in a way that God loves our kids so that transition will happen when they reach that age of accountability and they'll transition and allow God to be the one in authority over their lives and they will learn to obey, obey and surrender and be submissive to God. And that's the reason Jesus said, 
he gave this commandment to them to go. By the way, the same word is used, interpreted in the book of Genesis when God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit in the garden. That's how serious this deal was. He commanded them to go to Jerusalem. He said, the whole future of the church depends on you going to Jerusalem. The whole future of the future church depends on you receiving the power of the Holy Spirit because I'm going to provide that. There's going to be some people on April, the whatever it is, in Montgomery, Texas, and there's going to be people watching online that need to know that they have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry. I want you to wait. Till the Holy Spirit comes. There was an article in the Seattle Times that broke the story of the Reverend Ann Redding, who shortly after noon on Fridays would tie a black headscarf preparing to pray for her Muslim group. On Sunday mornings, Redding puts on a white collar of an Episcopal priest. She does both. She says because she is a Christian and a Muslim. Reading's bishop, the R.T. Reverend Vincent Warner, says he accepts Reading as an Episcopal priest and a Muslim and that he finds the interfaith possibilities exciting. It's kind of like Oprah Winfrey's religion. There's a lot of ways to heaven. And see, God's not confused about these things, but, but what happens, well, she finally, she, she did get defrocked, though, later on. But there have been societies that have been Muslim and, and Christian community to be communities, but there is no community that is really both Christian and Muslim. But many today, like many today, she has transformed herself into a symbol, but it is a symbol that doesn't stand for anything. There's a world out there that, that's what I love about God. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of whether I believe it or whether you believe it, the truth will always be the truth, and he will not ever compromise. He'll not ever say, huh, I never thought about that. We, let's, let's do that. No, he's always right because he always speaks the truth, but he always speaks the truth in love. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. The only reason that's a popular saying is because it's true. Many in our culture as well as, as in honestly the church have not only crossed the line of disobedience, they've also tried to eliminate the line altogether. <laughs> There's a lot of people, they don't even want a line when it comes to disobedience. In recent years, it's become normal for a man and a woman to profess, profess to be Christians and live together outside of marriage. When confronted, they are offended that you would even address the obvious. 
Well, that goes back to deodorant and common sense. Every Christian sins. Let me, make, let me be clear about this. Every Christian sins, but how interested are we really in the commands of Jesus? Because if we will respect and honor Jesus' commands, we will not be accepting of the sin in our own life. Let me talk about sin for a second. Because I grew up in church, and we really knew more about hell than we did about heaven. And there was, a, there was just like a lot of what we would call hellfire and brimstone preaching. Anybody get in on any of that growing up? And it's still out there, and, and we probably need some of that. Probably don't hurt us any. But I think a lot of times we look at sin through the wrong lens. We look at sin like, oh, I can't sin, I can't sin. Man, I wish I could sin, but I can't. Well, I'd like to, but, yeah. you know, I'm a Christian. You know, you with me? And it's almost like we apologize to people who sin whenever they ask us to go do something that is sin. We're like, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but God said I couldn't do it. <laughs> so let's, let's look at sin different, shall we? Here's, here's what I'd like for, and this is really, really deep, and so you're going to have to really think through this with me, but there, the only reason that God doesn't want us to sin, the only reason that God doesn't want us to sin, think about it, is because it's bad for us. It's not that deep. Uh, and here, that's that's the reason. And a lot of times we're like we're like, oh, it's bad for me. And that's it's not like God's up there just trying to hammer on me and tell me I can't have fun. I can't do. That. No, He's saying, listen. The only reason I don't want you to sin is because I love you more than enough, and I love you. I love you more than to let you fall into that without convicting you and letting you make the decision whether, now if you want it, if you choose sin, that's what you choose. But make no mistake, it's bad for you. Anybody ever realize at some point in time after you sinned that that was really stupid? And you're like, man, I wish I would have never done that before. Let me tell you something. The prison is full of people that made a mistake in 20 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes. They made a mistake, and it changed their life forever because God said, hey, this is not the best for you. And I'm going to tell you something. My mom told me years ago when I, was a little, when I was a kid, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but you can lose it in 5 minutes. Young people, listen to this. Uh, and, and all of us, we need to hear this. The only reason that God doesn't want you to sin because it'll mess up your life. It'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up your kids. It'll mess you up. It'll mess up your friends. It'll mess up your, your finances. Nobody wants to say nothing. <laughs> Am I right? That's right. I'm right whether you say so or not. It is right. So the, in the church world, many 
have become so jaded against the commands of Jesus, especially when they, they combat our flesh, the things that we struggle with and challenge our holiness. Many call Jesus Lord who have no intention of obeying commands like love your enemies. Of obeying commands from Jesus like take the plank out of your own eye. Obeying commands like think more highly of others than yourself. Others like love your wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church. Commands like honor and submit to your husband as he leads, as Christ leads the church. Commands like root out all bitterness. I got to stop right there. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit nudge on me right now that there's somebody in this room right now that you've been packing bitterness in your life towards somebody for a long, long time. Time And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit stopped me right now to tell you that that's not what's best for you. You can't control other people, but you can control yourself and you can control your emotions. And Jesus came to help you root out that bitterness in your life. I believe that was from God. He commands like confess your sins one to another. Commands like Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's not use this list. Listen, let's, we, don't, we don't use this list uh, to judge others, but to examine our own selves to see if we truly are in the faith, if we're walking in the faith that God has for us. I think a lot of times human nature wants to look like... <laughs> If you ever, like you, I want to talk to you married people for a minute. If you ever, like when, when I was preaching or you heard a sermon, you're thinking, I sure hope she's listening to this. <laughs> I sure hope he gets this. <laughs> that's, that's not the point. The point isn't for you to try to fix your spouse. The point is, because when you try to fix your spouse, you're going to mess it up. Trust me, I know that from experience. We have to allow God to have his way in, in our marriages and in our lives. Uh, by the way, the, <laughs> nobody, nobody in this building, nobody watching online, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. So let's just get that out there right now. And so what that should do, it should help us to stop judging other people because a lot of times we want to look at other people and their problems, but we don't want to look at ourselves and our problems because, well, I think a lot of people, they just, they go to church because they, uh, there's no such thing as a perfect church either. Y'all with me? I mean, if you ever do find a perfect church, don't join it. <laughs> You'll mess it up. Yeah. 
The other thing that believers do, a second point, is the believers wait on the Holy Spirit. Those who really count on Jesus, they wait on the Holy Spirit, and they will wait for the return of Jesus. I'm not real good at waiting. I'm a little bit impatient. Is there anybody here that has, you're not that patient, and you really need more prayer? Raise your hand. My name's Randy Weaver. I, I really need some help with my patience. Uh, I got a picture up here. When I go deer hunting with Darla, uh, this is this is kind of that's me right there. <laughs> Looks like a grumpy old man right there, don't I? <laughs> I let I let Darla look for the deer, and then when she wakes me up, then we can. But I'm like, man, what a what a chance for a nap. The believers wait on the Lord for the promised Holy Spirit, and this is what Jesus asked them to do or commanded them to do this uh, for the Spirit to come, the Holy Spirit to come. And a lot of times we need to wait on the Lord to receive his promises. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, but those who wait, everybody say wait. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Ah, that's good. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. Lord, teach us to wait. Amen. Could that be a good uh, prayer? I think a lot of times in our fast society that, that we, we don't want to wait. When was the last time you waited on the Lord? I'm not, I'm not talking about spending five minutes in the morning. I'm talking about just waiting on God to speak to you about your life because he knows more about you. He knows more about me than I know about me. He knows more about you than you know about you. Uh, there is something that is just valuable to have trust and faith in God. A few years back, Darla and I went to... Uh, Yellowstone National Park. Anybody been there? Raise your hand. You've been to Yellowstone. So one of the things that I liked about Yellowstone was was Old Faithful. You see Old Faithful when he's up there, and and we'd always heard about Old Faithful, and we was like, man, we just if you go to Yellowstone, you got to see Old Faithful. So we went over there where Old Faithful was, and they told us when she's gonna blow and. And uh, so we got us, they got seats out there. You go out there and you sit down and you wait on, wait on Old Faithful. And so we waited, probably waited about 30 minutes because uh, they could, they pretty much know about when she's going to blow. And uh, so when we're sitting there waiting and all of a sudden you hear this, this little rumbling down the earth and then all of a sudden this water goes, and it's over. I could have got that out of a hose. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the big deal? And I got to admit to you, I mean, it is cool, but it ain't that cool. Because <laughs> I'm like, and, and, <laughs> I wish you could have been there. Me and daughter both looked at each other and like, well, let's go. I know it, was a, it just wasn't that much. And I thought about that, honestly, this morning when I was thinking about this sermon. But I think the cool thing about Old Faithful is that 
She's faithful. It's not about, it's really not about the big show. I don't know if y'all with me now. Yeah, it's just a little squirting water up in the air. But she does it all the time, and they know exactly when she's going to do it because she's. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be worried. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to be faithful. Teach me to be faithful. And whenever issues come or temptations come in my life, that I am predictable and faithful with Y'all, anybody need to be more predictable when temptation comes your way? Everybody raise your hand if you need to be a little bit more predictable. <laughs> Verse 4, it says this. It says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there is no difference between this command directed to the apostles at this time and all Christians following. We don't have to move to Jerusalem in order to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank God. He has, however, made this gift to Jerusalem and Judea available to as many as are afar off, is what he said. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. And down through the generations, anybody that will call on the name of the Lord and ask God to baptize them if the power of the Holy Spirit, that he will give this gift because he said, no, listen to me, no good gift will he withhold from those who love him. Your job is to love God. And if you love God, he will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. That's good stuff. Jesus promised the pouring of the Holy Spirit on all people so they could preach Jesus, so they could plant churches, so they could reach, teach, and disciple with the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. This, 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 this message, the message of the Holy Spirit, it began when the Spirit moved on the face of the earth, the Holy Spirit was there at creation. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says in the Old Testament, it was good in the Old Testament, true in the Old Testament. He said, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You need a mountain moved. It's not going to be by your might, not by your power, but it's going to be by the Spirit of God. If there's something in your life that needs to be moved, God is willing, but it's not by might or power, but it's by the Holy Spirit of God because there is power in the Holy Spirit when he baptizes and when he gives you that gift. Ephesians 4 Ephesians 6, 18, it says in the New Testament, pray in all, at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. In John 6, 63, it says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. <laughs> I mean, no, that's true. 
Anybody here, your flesh messed you up when the Spirit was trying to tell you, you better cut it out. You better stop. Okay, I know you're out here. <laughs> then in Romans chapter 8, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, everybody say if. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. In other words, the flesh, the, the things that the flesh says to you and, and the attractions that come to us because we are, are, are uh, still human living in a fallen world making decisions and we either have to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us and the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the, the strength and wisdom to combat the flesh. But he says, if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Likewise, the Spirit helps us. This is so good. Anybody need help? My name's Randy Weaver. I know we're not at an AA meeting, but I need help. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. practical application we will not be faithful believers unless we are praying believers he said my house shall be called a house of prayer he didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching he didn't say my house shall be called a house of singers he didn't say my house shall be called a house with a lot of lights he didn't say my house shall be called a house with a fog machine. He said my house shall be called a house of prayer. Because prayer is the thing that changes everything in our lives. When we submit and we pray and ask God and say, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth in my life as you have planned it in heaven Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive, us, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Lead me not. Y'all with me so far? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever and ever. And however many evers you want to put on it. Amen. Prayer. 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 And listen, I think we've, we've, Lord help us, but I think we've taken prayer for granted that we can actually talk to the king of kings, talk to the one and have access to God himself. Listen, let's not ever take prayer for granted. Let's not just say our little, oh Lord, do this, do this, amen, going on to do our best. We, ha we have to honor God. We have to have respect for God. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And then he went on so far to say that our body is a temple. Did y'all catch that? Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, my house 
shall be called, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My temple shall be called a house of prayer. The place where I dwell shall be called a house of prayer. The greatest gift that he has given mankind is access to him that we can actually be praying people. And when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit fell, on the, we're going to preach about this coming up, but when the Holy Spirit fell, it says they were all in one accord, in one place, and as the Spirit fell, there were tongues as a fire that set on their heads, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them utterance. Now, in our culture today, there's a lot of people and religions that preach that the tongues was just for that age, but that's not what the Bible says. It says, for, it's for you, it's for your children, for your children's children, and for the generations. So if, if it, the only reason the other, pre, other religions preach against the baptism in the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit is because they don't understand it and it makes them uncomfortable. So I'm like, I'm looking for that place in the Bible that says, blessed are the comfortable. <laughs> blessed are those who have fun. Blessed are those that understand everything. I'm telling you, this is a dead end, but the life comes through submission to the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, God, if this is what you want for me, this is what I want. And let me just say this. When it comes to praying in the Spirit and praying in other languages, uh, a lot of times the reason that people are against that is because they've seen stupid people mess it up. You get on the internet and you watch people just being like crazy people. Ooh, listen, let me just say this. A good light always draws a few bugs. I'll just leave it at that. Second Chronicles 7, 14, it says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and forgive them, forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need what God has promised to his church, not just of water, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 15, it says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. You see, they counted on Jesus to return and to reward their faithfulness, so they waited for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God. Is there anybody out there you just like, uh, 
be honest with me. Is there any, any kind of people out there that you're, you're kind of impatient? Raise your hand. Yeah. Waiting on God sometimes, it's like we, we, we kind of like the Burger King deal. Like we want it. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. If we got to wait more than two minutes, we're mad. And we think because we don't have to wait for anything. I mean, if you want something, you just got to order it on Amazon. It'll be there in 24 hours. You can have anything you want. Seems like now you just order it and it's going to be on your doorstep. And I mean, we're just like, everything is just like the way you dream about it. And then we, then we have this relationship with God and like we'll pray for something and like 20 minutes later we're like, listen, God, God doesn't operate on our timetable. Y'all just get it in. It's just the way it is. I like to go hunting in, um, up in the mountains, up in Colorado, been hunting up in Montana hunting elk, and uh, when you go hunting, I'll, it's it's more fun to hunt on horses horseback. So what happened? We get on horses and we leave long before daylight in the mornings and ride horses up the mountains in the dark, and then we'd hunt all day and ride them back down in the dark, and. Uh, Sometimes it'd be snowing, and sometimes it'd actually be a blizzard. And uh, and you're coming down those those real narrow trails, and and on those trails there's a big drop off, and these horses are just going down these trails. The worst thing you can do if you're riding a horse in the mountains in the dark is try to tell that horse that he doesn't know what he's doing and, and, and start raining him off. It's a good way to get hurt and sometimes kill. There's a scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. See, like those horses, you got to trust them. Even though you don't even know that horse, you know that horse has been up and down that mountain. And, and those horses, they know where to go. And you really have to trust them, even though it's a blizzard, even though you can't see, you got to know they got to figure it out. You better not be messing them up. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, this is the part here I want you to hear. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. You see, a lot of times, this is, this is crazy, but we think we know better. When God asks us to do something that is uncomfortable or he asks us to do something that we're not, we've, we've never done before, or he asks us to do something that, that is just uh, beyond anything that we think that, that we could do, or he asks us to do something that's going to really mess up uh, our plans for that. We begin to lean on our own understanding 
And that's what happens when you're riding a horse down the mountain. You get to thinking, you get scared, and you start, start trying to rein him back up the mountain. It's going to mess him up. And what happens is when we lean on our own understanding, I mean, we could sit here and talk about this part of it all day because I've got a lot of illustrations how I leaned on my understanding, and it really messed things up in my life. But he said this, he said, if we'll acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he'll direct our path. And what he means by that is that we will be willing to obey even though we may not understand. He says we'll be able to follow even though we, we don't know where the trail's going to wind up. But if we know that Jesus knows where he's going, that's going to be okay for us. And when things don't happen the way we want them, we're going to wait on the Lord. And in the middle of the time while we're waiting, we're going to be praying. We're going to ask God to direct our path. You see, all of this stuff really works if we work it. And God's plan is always the best plan. And that's why we always say, believers, believe. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit for being here today with us. I thank you, Lord, for all your people today. Help us, Lord, to understand that we can trust in you and that you have made provision for our peace, that you've made provision so we can have power. You've made provision, Lord, so that we can follow you and be in your presence. You've made provision for prayer. And I thank you, Lord, for all, all you've done for us. Help us, Lord, to understand that you are for us, not against us, and that the sin in our lives separates us from you. It doesn't bring us closer to you, and you don't want to be separated from us, but you allow us to make choices and make decisions because that's who you are. And I thank you, Lord, because you have honored us. We choose, Lord, to honor you, and we thank you, Lord, for it. We love you, Jesus. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift given to mankind is the gift of a relationship with your Creator, the relationship with your God. The Scripture says that we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Make no mistake. But the difference is, is that we've, asked, we've invited Christ to come into our lives. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, but that what that means is that God helps us in our imperfection, and he is with us, and he'll never leave us so that we can make better choices, better, better decisions, so that we can have peace in our life. And if you've never accepted him as your personal Savior, I want you to know that Jesus said this. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open, I'll come in and I'll be with them. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you have, just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my life. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Yep, thank you. Leave your hands up till we could have put a Bible in him, please. Anybody else? Lift your hands up high. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down once you get your Bible. Anybody else? Slip your hands up high. Anybody, anybody else? Preacher, that's me.
If you raise your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you all mind coming up and let me pray with you? I'd be honored to pray with you. I'm telling you, it's the greatest privilege. I'm proud of y'all. The greatest gift, the greatest gift in the whole world is having Christ live inside of us as our bodies, a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's so cool. And I'm proud of both y'all. I'm so proud of y'all. There's y'all. Tell me your name again. What is it? Mason. Mason. Cole. I'm proud of you guys. Listen, I want to pray with you. Because what, what, the reason I admire y'all so much is because you're like, you recognize that you got to have help. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps us in our weakness to be stronger. So, because we've all said, I want to help you invite Christ to come into your heart. You have to believe that Jesus is alive because that's what separates him from like Muhammad, Buddha, and all them other guys because they didn't raise from the dead. You, know, you, you ever wonder like, what's the true religion? You ever wonder that? Well, it's Jesus because he's, he was raised from the dead. That's, what, that's, what, that's who God is. So that's, I mean, y'all are on the right track. Y'all smart people. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want you to help. I want you to just repeat after me and pray from your heart, okay? Y'all help us pray. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Proud of you guys. Look here. Look here. So you're all going to have kind of like the same problems you had when you came. It doesn't take your problems away. And what it does, the Holy Spirit will teach you to make good decisions. You're not going to be perfect, but you're following after a perfect Savior. And, and when you mess up, when, you with me, run back to God. Promise me you won't run from Him anymore. You promise me? You promise? Run to Him. Don't run from Him. Hey, go visit these guys for just a second. Love you guys. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. I, during the message, has, has there been something in your life that you've been wrestling with and the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart that if you believe God, that he can take care of that. Or if you believe God, you would do something. Believing God is everything. So how many will say, preacher, uh, I say I'm a believer, but there's some things that I've, I haven't really been acting like I believe. Because I want to pray for you. Raise your hand if you need some help believing. Let's raise both hands, shall we? Because we need both hands. Help surrender all. 
Lord, we surrender all to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for everybody. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you completely, wholeheartedly, to trust in you, Lord, and not try to take the reins back of our lives. And uh, uh, help us, Lord, to trust you uh, on those steep mountain curves, oh God, that we live on. And, and to know that you are in the driver's seat. Help us, Lord, to trust you and have faith in you, to believe you, to obey you, and, and to follow you closely. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. I love y'all. God bless you. We got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.